You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Caroline Grass, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, WICB news assistants Beck Legato and Emma Kirsting and news director Hamadri Saith talk to the directors of CAPS and the Center for Health Promotion at Ithaca College in the first part of their mini-series looking into the issues of mental health and burnout among students and faculty on campus. But first, we have Beck Legato with Community Beat and George Christopher with this week's Politics Beat. Sustainable Tompkins has created a sustainable Finger Lakes map with an interactive map for those interested in learning about the local sustainability movement. The map currently has more than 800 entries of local businesses, activities, and programs working towards sustainability. Community members are encouraged to help continue build the map's database with local organizations focused on sustainability. Lev Kitchen, Central New York Labor Federation, the Food Policy Council of Tompkins County, and Oxbow are recent additions. This is Ithaca. It's a local podcast that has been brought to life by co-hosts Marietta Sindonis and Florence Gilly. Marietta moved to Ithaca about seven years ago to study herbal medicine. She planned to stay originally for six months, but ended up staying for about seven years. She now works as a storyteller both on the radio, in theater, and using puppetry. Florence came to Ithaca in 2019 to study at Cornell for a year. He now attends medical school in Vienna, Austria, though whether, whenever he isn't studying anatomy, he produces radio segments and podcasts like This is Ithaca. This is Ithaca was made to honor different individuals who make up the community in this town and broaden the listener's perspective on how everyone contributes to building this vibrant community. The unionization efforts at Ithaca's three Starbucks locations have proven to be victorious after votes from stores in downtown Ithaca, South Meadow Street, and College Town. It is the first municipality to have all its Starbucks locations vote to unionize. Employees at the Tompkins County Workers Center on Friday afternoon watched the counted conducted by a labor board official via Zoom. The vote followed announcements this past Thursday that more locations in Buffalo and Rochester successfully voted to unionize. The College Town location voted 19 to 1 in favor of unionization with Workers United, setting off cheers from the gathered crowd of about two dozen employees and friends. The Tompkins County Chamber announced a new partnership with the Business Council of New York State Incorporated, the Small Business Membership Alliance, or the SMBA. Through this partnership, all active members of the Tompkins Chamber receive complimentary membership to the Business Council of New York State, as long as the business has 10 or fewer members. Eligible small businesses will now receive benefits, including access to SBMA members-only content on the Business Council website, access to the Business Council of New York State's 401k, and insurance fund low-cost life, disability, and dental insurance programs for all small businesses. 
The 8th Annual Holocaust Memorial Day Lecture will be held in Ithaca at 7 p.m. on April 27th. This talk, which will be sponsored by the Ithaca Area United Jewish Community, will be presented on Zoom with registration available online. This event is free and open to the public and will include a vocal performance by the Cornell Chai Notes, a candlelighting ceremony that will honor the children of local Holocaust members, and a presentation about the importance of teaching the Holocaust. Celia Clement, an Ithaca resident who narrated and edited a memoir about her family's four-year journey from Germany to a refugee camp in Switzerland in 1942, will be speaking at the lecture, among others. For Mika Andia, I'm Beck Legato. This is your weekly politics beat. I'm George Christopher. Democratic congressional candidate Stephen Holden has announced he's switching his campaign to the 24th Congressional District. According to Spectrum News, Holden initially ran in New York's 22nd District, which includes Ithaca and Syracuse. While the 22nd District is heavily Democratic, having voted for Joe Biden by over 18 points, the 24th District is one of the few Republican seats in the state, with Donald Trump winning the seat by almost 20 points in 2020. New York State's congressional maps will remain in place for the time being. According to the New York Times, a Steuben County judge ordered the state legislature to redraw the congressional maps, saying the current map was an unconstitutional Democratic gerrymander. On Monday, appellate court judge Stephen Lindsay placed a stay on that ruling, ordering the maps to remain in effect until all legal challenges have been resolved. Legal analysts suggest that maps will most likely remain in place, with the appellate division less likely to intrude on the legislature's right to draw congressional maps. The current map contains 22 seats won by President Joe Biden and four won by former President Donald Trump. The New York State Legislature and Governor Kathy Hochul have reached an agreement on the state budget that would toughen New York's bail law. According to the New York Times, the agreement will allow judges to consider other factors when determining whether to require bail, such as accusations of causing serious harm or a history of gun use. According to The Economist, little evidence has been presented to suggest recent crime spikes are the result of progressive criminal justice policies like bail reform. However, the surge in crime has led Governor Hochul and New York City Mayor Eric Adams to support a toughening of the state's bail reform law passed in 2019. The $220 billion budget also includes an expansion of childcare subsidies for New York families, investment in wage increases for home and healthcare workers, and $600 million towards the building of a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills. On Thursday, State Attorney General Letitia James requested a state judge hold former President Donald Trump in civil contempt for refusal to hand over documents relevant to the AG's civil investigation into Trump's business. According to The Hill, the AG also requested Trump be fined $10,000 every day he doesn't comply. James's office is investigating whether the Trump Organization falsified the value of assets for financial gain. Also on Thursday, a special election was held in New York's 20th State Assembly District. According to Decision Desk HQ, Republican candidate Eric Brown has been projected to have won the Nassau County seat with nearly 66% of the vote. Democratic candidate David Lovell secured a little over 34% of the vote. Brown will succeed fellow Republican Melissa Miller, who stepped down from the state assembly after being appointed to the Hempstead Town Board. Reporting for Ithaca Now, I'm George Christopher. You're listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Caroline Grass. 
All around campus, people are stressed. Stressed about work, their social life, academics, personal issues, and a whole range of other things. Every on-campus establishment from clubs to classrooms have been witnessing declining motivation and an inability of people to function at the level they may have once. Beck Legato, Hamadri Saith, and Emma Kirsting attempt to investigate this issue in a multi-part series, with today's episode featuring a conversation with Brian Peterson, the director of CAPS at IC, and Michelle Good, the news director of Ithaca College's Center for Health Promotion. College students have always been particularly vulnerable to mental health issues, and answers to many of their questions regarding mental health are often unclear. How to get in contact with mental health professionals, how to get through a depressive episode, how to prevent an anxiety attack, the list goes on. This is the first of a multi-part series which will tackle the question, how do college students combat mental illness in the midst of a global pandemic? With the start of the pandemic, mental health was brought to the forefront due to the number of students who needed help learning how to live with grief, learning how to control their anxiety, or dealing with a host of other problems. At Ithaca College, Counseling and Psychiatric Services, also known as CAPS, is a program in place to help students manage these issues. To learn more about their services, we talked to CAPS Director Brian Peterson and Ithaca College's new Director for Health Promotion, Michelle Good, about mental health on campus from a medical professional point of view. We discussed topics like the introduction of the Sanvelo app on campus, as well as student burnout, the effects of the pandemic, and the services that CAPS offers students here on Ithaca College's campus. How would you both uh, describe your jobs here on campus? Uh, well, I'm the director of the, the Counseling Center. I've been here since 2019, uh, pre and post pandemic. And my job is to coordinate um, uh, the services that the counselors provide, including individual and group psychotherapy, uh, I should say counseling, and um, also what we do it on campus through outreach and consultation. And uh, we're both co-leaders of the JED Campus Initiative. We also talked about the JED Initiative, which Brian will elaborate on later in the interview. The JET Initiative is a national nonprofit organization that focuses on supporting and protecting the emotional health of our country's 40 million high school and college students and reduce the risks of substance abuse and suicide. Um, so I'm the program director for Center for Health Promotion. Um, and really our office's mission and vision is to provide uh, students with the content education and the skills to make healthier choices. Um, and build healthy habits as they're here at Ithaca College and to help them thrive and succeed, um, not just in their studies, but when they graduate as well. So that is really um, providing a lot of information in different areas, everything from alcohol and other substance safety um, to stress management, sleep hygiene, healthy relationships, sexual health, really a whole uh, gamut of different um, topics. And we work really collaboratively with different campus partners. So certainly CAPS being one of them. Um, we're on really a lot of different um, school-wide groups and coalitions to promote health and wellness. Um, so uh, the Alcohol and Other Drug Team, the Wellness Leadership Council, which is a new group um, that just started off in January and was a recommendation from uh, the Wellness Action Team and the JET Team. Um, so we're really part of a lot of these different collaborative efforts to try and improve health and wellness. What do you focus on more at CAPS? Uh, is it more the one-to-one -one sessions, uh, the group counseling, or maybe something else? 
Good question. Um, so a college counseling center really can't function as like a private therapy place. Um, you know, the, 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 the normal model for therapy is weekly, hour-long sessions. You see the same person over time. It might, it might go on for years. Um, and, the re and I'm going to differentiate between therapy and counseling and for the purposes of this, this discussion, because therapy, I think, is a more deeper kind of change-oriented, insight-oriented process. What, we're, what we offer is counseling, and, and I'll define counseling as helping a student manage um, things that are interfering with their ability to focus on their academic success. Now, that can be a variety of things. Some which are kind of on the surface, like adjustment issues in the first year. I'm, you know, I've never had a roommate before. I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety about transitioning from high school to college. How do you meet people? Loneliness. You know, those kinds of things that, that you know, you can help a student really create a program to kind of address those things, try things, and see how it works out. It can range also then to the deeper stuff too. So we work with students that have diagnosed depression, diagnosed bipolar disorder. Sometimes we're the ones that sort of help them organize and understand what they're going through from a diagnosis point of view. Um, we can help students, uh, you know, deal with issues of trauma, uh, relational trauma, certainly um, things that come up that they haven't felt or dealt with for a long time, but which being in a stressful environment may be triggering for them again. So, you know, really we do a wide spectrum of topics and issues with students. Um, if somebody wants longer term work, then we may suggest that they, you know, we'll help them find somebody off campus for them to do that longer term therapy with. And the nice thing about telehealth now is that many students, if they're New York State residents, can continue to see their providers from home. They don't have to switch over to us because from a licensing point of view, as long as they're in New York State, they can see their providers if they're willing to do telehealth. So Sometimes our job is direct counseling. Sometimes it's really helping students uh, with a temporary problem that they want to focus on. And sometimes it's helping them find services off campus that uh, may better suit their needs. And then we do, you know, non-clinical things like Let's Talk and our anxiety toolboxes, which are workshops kind of things. We do a lot of outreach. We're out on campus meeting with students, going to groups. Um, you know, going to events, uh, getting the word out on healthy habits. And that's what we work collaboratively with, with uh, Michelle's office and other offices as well. So we, it's, it's a broad spectrum of services which are, which are under an umbrella title of Stepped Care 2.0. And if you go to our webpage, there's a nice description of Stepped Care that breaks that down. Thank you. Um, and sort of going from that, I would ask, so how do your two offices collaborate, especially on issues of mental health and even in general? Um, I'll, I'll quickly answer, then I'll turn it over to Michelle. I mean, basically, it's been, a, it's been fantastic to have Michelle come in here and be so interested in mental health as uh, part of, of what she's providing to the, to the campus as well. Um, I think health promotion sometimes gets pigeonholed into, you know, very concrete, narrow lanes. And Michelle has really brought in kind of a, a community approach and a wide spectrum kind of thing where it's, um, uh, we're, we're constantly talking about mental health and those are collaborative issues. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Um, 
So uh, logistically speaking, like Brian and I are in meetings together quite often throughout the week and our offices interact quite a bit. Um, and when you look at the sector model on the CAPS website, I like to think of health promotion as really the lower levels of that stuff, right? If you were to add us into the bottom, how can we reach out to the full campus and provide information about health and wellness topics um, to either A, get them connected to the right resource that they might need. So I think of our office as like liaisons, helping to connect to different health and wellness resources a student might need and provide that information to them. Um, and we could do that during uh, workshops that we're facilitating. Um, we do workshops during Student Leadership Institute and via request for any of the topics that I have mentioned. Um, sometimes we get really specific requests that we can cater to a group um, if we have a little more information. Uh, so we just did a presentation specifically to one of the sporting teams about how alcohol might impact their performance, for example. So um, we can kind of cater uh, presentations. Um, and then I think of us as providing, and I think we think about like, not just the work we're directly doing, but what are the larger structural or systemic things that our offices can help with? So, and that's and that's where the Jet Campus Initiative comes in. The Jet Initiative is really all about a community-wide approach to health and mental health intervention. Um, so, our offices are pairing up on, you know, thinking of of the entire school as our um, entry point into creating community-wide interventions rather than just individual. Even thinking of just like structurally, right? Like what are there, are there certain policies on campus that might promote or not promote mental health and wellness? And how can we, as folks who are maybe seeing some of the impact that's happening on students, how can we advocate on behalf of students to change policies or change systems or make changes to our campus culture um, that might lessen stigma and improve um, a healthier message and a healthier campus and more well campus. Absolutely. And I'm sure you guys have gotten this question a billion times since the pandemic has started, but how has the pandemic affected the functioning of CAPS? Um, well, uh, I would like to take credit for being having ESP and kind of seeing it all coming, but accidentally, I uh, ended up ordering cameras and microphones for all the counselors several months before COVID hit. So we all were ready to go with telehealth right off the bat. And um, we, we realized that there really wasn't anything that we couldn't provide uh, through telehealth services. Um, we could do groups, we could do individual counseling, we could do our drop-ins, we could do our toolbox workshop groups, we could do outreach. Um, so for us, it was really, a, you know, we had to figure out how to adjust the step care model to, you know, only online and, and acknowledge what was lost. I mean, it, I, I do think counseling is better in person. Uh, it's hard to do things with masks on because you can't read facial expressions. But there's also a feeling you get when you're in the room with somebody, right? You just kind of know what you get a sense of, you know, things are landing or they're not landing. And so so I, I think that we've lost a little bit of that sort of personal touch um, by being online. But we were able to pivot 
to telehealth pretty quickly. And um, the only thing that I think we really sacrifice is we used to do Let's Talk, uh, which is our non-clinical drop-ins. We would have counselors out on campus. So we had somebody over in the wellness center. We had somebody in the music school, somebody in the park school. And so we just weren't physically in those locations anymore. So that was an adjustment. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been able to do, do everything, you know, that, are, that we normally do in terms of services. Um, our hope is to be back in person for next fall. That's the plan. Um, and we've, we've, been, we've been remote this semester, even though the campus is open again, because we're in the healthcare building. So it's been, we've had to be thoughtful about bringing students into the space when students upstairs are being tested and treated for COVID and the flu and everything. So um, we're a little behind other offices in terms of being in person, but we're going we're gonna to do that in the fall. So. Yeah, and um, you mentioned the Let's Talk sessions kind of being... Uh, halted, I guess, by the pandemic. Do you imagine those will return to uh, those on-campus buildings next semester if the rest of the office is opening up to in-person sessions? We're, we're hoping. They, they, they actually weren't halted. Um, we've been doing them remotely, but uh, to be physically back in those spaces, yeah, we would like to do that in the fall again. I, I think telehealth in some way is here to stay. So going into next year, we may have a combination where we might have a couple of those drop-in in-person offices out there on campus. We also may still provide a, a virtual or a tele, a Zoom, you know, link as well, just for students that can't make it to those locations or whatever. So uh, we're going to do some thinking about how we might blend telehealth and in-person services for the fall. And I think just going off of that, kind of getting into the question of how do you think mental health has been uh, since people have returned to campus, you know? Well, I'll answer part one of that question. And then I think it's a perfect segue into talking about San Bello, um, because San Bello is one of the, the ways, I think, uh, that we were addressing what's come up with people being back on campus. Um, I think the immediate impact that we've had at, at TAPS has been we're seeing twice the number of kind of adjustment issues that we normally do. Because when you think about it, we've had two classes starting on campus at the same time. Um, and so those classic sort of first semester, you know, issues of, you know, adjusting to a roommate, adjusting to finding friends and developing a social, um, you know, click. Um, all of that's been experienced by twice as many students as normal. So we definitely, I would say, see an increase in anxiety-producing uh, conditions, whether that be social or academic or, or um, uh, sort of, you know, other other being being away from home, homesickness, loneliness, that kind of thing. Um, so our toolbox groups around anxiety management have definitely been heavily utilized. Let's Talk's been heavily utilized because sometimes people just want to check it and make sure that they're not, you know, that they're okay. They just need they just need someone to say you're doing fine. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, it's weird, but yeah, you're okay. Um, so we're just seeing a, a real increase in anxiety based experiences for students this year, um, and that's something that we're good at managing. I mean, that's that's exactly what a college counseling center is pretty good at doing. So we've been very very busy, but it, we've been busy with stuff we know how to uh, work with. Um, but you know. For all the students that can't 
utilize cap services, you know, coming back to this systemic and this community-wide model, um, San Bello became a way to reach students outside of the caps. Uh, yeah, I think when you think about the pandemic, there's just so many things that we used to do that like everyone is out of practice doing, right? Like officiating small talk, like we were scared to do that for a really long time. So it's starting to reuse some of those social skills that were all a little bit out of practice um, and might be anxiety provoking for folks to do that or really stressful to do that. Um, I think that there's a lot going on in the world right now that also has a large impact on what people's um, moods are, what their feelings are for the future, um, what their sense of purpose is. Um, so I think all of these reasons are why we were so excited to be able to implement CMBL so quickly. Um, because what the CMBL app does is really give you at your fingertips the tools to manage a situation in that moment. So if you're using it and you have filled out the assessment, which is the first thing I will ask you to download the account, it will give you a recommended journey or a guided journey is what it's called on the app. And that guided journey actually takes you through step-by-step step ways that you can build skills in the area that you might be struggling the most in. Um, and then there's a lot of specific tools that you can use within the app, depending on what you're going through. So for some of us, it might be like reframing our thoughts, right? Like maybe we find ourselves catastrophizing um, situations that are happening that maybe we wouldn't have done that four years ago, right? So going onto the Sandvalo app, knowing that you can go under the tools section, that you can go into reframing, selecting that tool and then saying, like typing in what is on your mind or speaking it into the microphone and then doing a little work yourself, right? Um, because I think we all need to start learning those self-coping skills a little bit. Um, and we can do this at three in the morning, right? Um, or you could certainly, if you feel like you're in a crisis, you could always call the protocol hotline uh, for CAPS and talk to a mental health professional. Sometimes we don't need to talk to someone, though. We just need to work through that on our own. So we think that this is just a great extra tool that can be used. Um, and there's different components, too. So loneliness is another thing that we, we've experienced um, not just with students, but I think employees have also been feeling pretty lonely um, in the changes in the world. So it's really great that there's a messaging board um, and a tool or a feature for someone to look through maybe a topic that they're going through and to connect with others because it can be really isolating, um, particularly during the pandemic when you feel like you're going through something and you can't see other people that are going through or feeling the same things that you're feeling. Um, so CFL is kind of a way to have that self-care at your fingertips and kind of rebuild those skills for yourself that we all might be a little bit out of practice. And I, I think another thing I would add is that, you know, from a certain perspective, one could argue that we have all been in a state of fear for the last year and a half, you know, constantly thinking about COVID, constantly thinking about being safe, constantly thinking about what we do on masks, do we get vaccinated, how do you get a vaccination? We have been in a state, you know, if, if, if our normal level of anxiety, let's say, is a three out of 10, you know, just your everyday dealing with life kind of anxiety, let's say that's a three out of 10. I think everybody's baseline has moved up to like a five out of 10. 
And we've just been constantly walking around with this low-level hypervigilance. You know, what am I supposed to be doing? Is it safe to be here? And that's really been exhausting, mentally and physically exhausting to carry that kind of constant tension. Can I go into this space? What does the school mean that now we don't have to wear masks? What do you mean we're not testing anymore? Suddenly, is everything better? Am I safe now? I don't know. I mean, how do we judge these things? So it's just been a lot of mental processing all the time about safety and how we interact socially. And to, to Michelle's point, I think the social piece of it has gotten very confusing. Who can I be with when, you know, and, and the question around, you know, dating and socializing used to be, you know, are you safe? Have you been tested for STIs? Um, you know, there was a, all that level of things. Now it's like, have you been vaccinated? Have you been boosted? Have you been around anybody who's been boffing recently? Who's I mean, in your bubble? Yeah, exactly. So there's this whole nother level now complicating socializing, you know. And what are they doing over at Cornell? Can I be around Cornell students? I don't know. Um, so that, that's been, I, I, I think as we come out of, one of the things that I've experienced this semester is I think, do you remember, the, have, have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? The original Wizard of Oz? Remember when Dorothy lands in Oz and the munchkins all kind of like, we're looking out from behind the bushes. It's like, is it okay? Is it safe? That's been my experience of IC this semester. It's like students are like, is it okay to come out? And, okay, this seems all right. You know, and then, you know, that, and then they're singing songs going down the yellow brick road. Um, I think we're feeling safer. And, and it's exhausting to do that, right? Yeah. Like, it's exhausting to get back to what we feel like we should be able to do because we could do it before, but we're tired. We're yeah. emotionally fatigued, physically fatigued, right? When you're in a level of vigilance or hypervigilance, like that takes a toll on your body physically too. Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, sort of with San Velo, have you received any sort of feedback in terms of, you know, how students experience has been with it or how many students have started using it yet? Yes, oh gosh, we are over 300 users um, already. So we're so excited to see that. Um, and um, out of those users, we have a, a good number, about 200 who are what uh, CML would identify as regular users. So people who are going in um, and using different features of the app. So we have received some feedback. Uh, we were really lucky to have a few students pilot this out for us um, over the winter time before we launch. Uh, we have gotten a lot of really positive feedback, and it's interesting because people are identifying different parts of the app that they like. Some people think that it um, is an app that makes them feel really cared for because it has like notifications that can be set, and it's like checking in on you. Um, some people have really liked specifically like the journaling prompts on there or the meditation tools. Some people have been using the mini collections. Um, so it's interesting to see out of the feedback we've gotten, it's kind of across the board. Each person likes the parts that they like. Um, and we have gotten a few feedback pieces about stuff that has been trickier to use for people or things that they've um, had some trouble with and we've been able to somehow along to the Sandella um, organization uh, so that as they continue to update their products that they have that feedback from our, our students and our employees who are using that. But more feedback, the better. So if you want to give us your feedback and enter, you don't even have to use the app to enter. Uh, but we have these wonderful pillow blankets to give away. 
we you know, we hope maybe we'll be around campus a little bit and people might see your pillow blanket and say, hey, what's the envelope? <laughs> and then you can tell them how much you love the app or what things you like about the app and, and maybe tell them. And we, we uh, have a three-year contract for Sanvella at the premium level, which means all, you, all the student needs to do is sign with their uh, IC uh, email address, and they get, them, they get the maximum suite of packages for, for no food. Yeah, kind of going off of what you said earlier about using Intercom, how have you guys been kind of advertising the advent of Sanvella? Yeah, I think our, our best advertisement was probably the announcement at the campus-wide meeting. Um, and we've done a few um, interviews with Ithacan specifically. Uh, we've had flyers up in all the residence halls um, since the phone app launched and flyers around campus. Uh, there's handouts and flyers at the information desk in the campus center. And then we've been doing some intentional outreach to different groups. So, for example, like all the text counselors um, know how to use CMLO and got a little bit more in-depth training um, so that if it could be a helpful tool for someone they're working with, uh, they could show them how to use that. Um, and we've been doing quite a few trainings across um, our division, uh, SACLO, um, as well as other divisions. Yeah, so, Michelle has a PowerPoint. She's got all the stuff. Yeah, we've been, we've been really fortunate to be invited into some spaces and we're always welcome um, to come in and talk more to any student group or office or department that wants to hear a little bit more about them. Um, we're welcome to do that too. Uh, how has the San Velo app affected the staff at CAPS? Um, you know, what is the impact that it's had on your office? I think every CAPS counselor has downloaded it, so we all have it in our phones and uh, we're using it. Um, but it really uh, gives us a nice tool to interface with students around in terms of what they do when they're not seeing us. You know, because counseling is what? You might meet with us once a week. Uh, you might go to one of our toolbox groups once a week. But there's all this time where you're not interacting with a CAPS counselor. So a CAPS counselor and a student can sit down and, and sort of walk through the app together and identify parts of the app that might be really useful, uh, you know, at three in the morning or on, on a weekend if someone's experiencing a panic attack, you know, what can we load into the app that will help you in that moment when you can't reach your counselor, when, when, when the counselor isn't available. So I think part of our role at CAPS is not only to help students manage what they're dealing with, but also to educate and to also sort of promote the developmental goal of people feeling more in control of their ability to soothe themselves, to take action, to cope with, with whatever's throwing, you know, coming their way. You know, and I think the San Velo app actually fits into that goal really nicely because, you know, if a student successfully uses the app and gets through a hard moment, then they've learned that they can control um, their reaction to something. And I think that's, that's a really important life lesson that we all need to learn at some point is that no matter how bad things can get, I can be in control of my reaction to it. So, yeah, so well, we use it all the time. Now, one of the reasons we like the same ballot app is it's uh, developed or based on cognitive behavioral theory research um, and practices. So many of the activities um, are really grounded in um, CBT work. And that is something that I know uh, many of the CAPS counselors yeah. themselves use quite often with students. Uh, so even for a student who's not seeing a CAPS clinician here, um, 
but maybe did counseling in a past, you know, past life of theirs. Um, I can actually just help them refine some of the tools they might have learned and be an excellent rep for And and St. Bellow is just one of there's a whole bunch of apps out there. We encourage students and faculty and staff to find you know, the the social media or the or the application out there that, that speaks to them. Um, there's a, another app, uh, app called the Mood Meter, um, and uh, that, that helps students find the right language to label the emotions that they're feeling. Um, and so there's lots of really good tools out there, but we feel like the San Bello offers a suite of things in one place uh, that makes it, you know, more, more useful for us. From a psychiatrist's perspective, the increase in mental health complications on campus has led to CAPS looking at other methods of getting students the extra help they need without having to physically go to CAPS or book a traditional therapy appointment. With the advent of San Velo, students are given an alternative to in-person or even online therapy, which can often be time-consuming, to find what works best for them. While we don't yet have what one may call statistically significant data to support the app's success, Initial student responses have been positive, and the Center for Health Promotions and CAPS are looking forward to seeing how this new addition changes the mental health landscape on campus. For WICB News, I'm Beck Legato. I'm Hamadri Seid. And I'm Emma Kirsting. In an attempt to hear more from the members of our community, we are proud to present our newest segment, Clay on the Commons. In this segment, WICB News correspondent Clayton Davis talks to people in the Ithaca Commons to hear their thoughts on a topic that impacts the Tompkins County area. Today, on the first ever episode of Clay on the Commons, Clay asks community members about their thoughts on reimagining public safety in Ithaca. Look out for a story on this topic by WICB News correspondents in next week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first installment of Clay on the Street. I'm Clayton Davis. This week, we're going to be talking to residents around Tompkins County to see how they feel about the Reimagining Public Safety Initiative. Uh, please state your name. Manaya Lewis. What do you do? I'm a Cornell student. So please tell me, Manaya, um, what specifically with the new Reimagining uh, Public Safety Plan, I know that you're not familiar with it. What would you want to see, um, you know, Ithaca and Tompkins County in general, what would you want them to do in order to keep Ithaca more safe? Yeah, I definitely think that there should be more like public safety. Um, there should be, I feel like more infrastructure in order to like support like people, like especially like when they're like walking at night, maybe like more street lights and things like that. Like I know specifically on Cornell's campus, there definitely needs to be more like lights, more blue lights for like, you know, the campus police to help people. And like also there's a lot of like areas on campus that I feel like could be reinforced like with um, more like safety nets and things like that because it can be pretty dangerous walking around. But yeah, just things like that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Please state your name. Dr. Will Brownell at your service. What do you do, Mr. Dr. L. Brown? My entire focus is entirely on American history, especially regarding the Vietnam War and what happened afterwards. Very understandable. Um, a quick question for you. So Ithaca and Tompkins County just had a new restructuring plan, um, new safety, public safety initiative. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Easy. The more civilized a country is, the more it re-examines its past 
And uh, what's interesting about this area is that uh, there are more and more people here who want to know where have they been coming from and where are they going. It's not anyone's fault, but uh, Cornell dominates the mental atmosphere. And it's wonderful to see people now going beyond the Cornell limits and trying to find out where have they come from and where are they going. So, you know, with that, um, where people are going, what do you mean by that in particular? I mean, what kind of a civilization are we going to have? I mean that an awful lot of Americans don't really know uh, whether America is a country that is going to lead by example or by force. And the more we lead by example and the less we lead by force, the better off we're going to be. So for you personally, is there any sort of things that you would want to talk to um, with Ithaca, with um, Ithaca and Tompkins County, just to um, you know any sort of steps or any plans or public initiatives? Uh, the more and more often we can get away from these these lobbying groups, the more and more we can start deciding what kind of a civilization we want. The more we can get away from the druggies, all of the half bad, half-legal, half-posited uh, drug groups, the more we can get more free. Because right now, we're a mostly drugged situation, and we are mostly, um, we don't even have a, a medical uh, program for the USA. Canada does, Sweden does, Peru does, lots of countries do. We've got to really decide with our somewhat limited resources, how we're going to take them forward to a better future. In terms, you talked about the medical plan just now. What would you want to do? What plans or ideas that, what would you potentially want to do um, for a potential medical plan? Very much like to see doctors rewarded for avoiding problems instead of just simply giving druggies and druggies and druggies the way that we should go somewhat English and do what the English do and reward the doctors for precluding problems and getting beyond problems. Because really, <clears throat> there's an awful lot, of, awful lot of drugs in America that are just simply uh, uh, pushed onto the young people. If a kid is slightly hyperactive, he gets more drugs than you can imagine. And we don't need that. We need fewer drugs, but more carefully administered. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. So state your name. Isaiah. Isaiah, what do you do? I go to high school. I be chilling. <laughs> so my question for you is, what, do you, what are your thoughts about um, public safety in Ithaca and the new initiative that they're going to do in Ithaca and Tompkins County? What's the new initiative? So basically they're restructuring the plan to just make um, things more safe in Ithaca and Tompkins County. I feel like it's already safe in Ithaca as it is. Like, it's not too much going on. It's only certain streets. Not even that. It's like, it's like not that much crime for real. Like, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the crime here is like kind of small. It's a little petty stuff. That's so it's a little petty stuff. What do you mean by the little petty like, stuff? It's, little it's, it's just dumb stuff. That, like, not really nothing serious. Like, people getting killed and people getting robbed. It's just, you know what I'm saying? A little like stealing and stuff. Yeah. What do you, what have you seen that firsthand? You know, personal killings and you know things that have been going on personally. Nah, nah, I ain't seen none of that. 
I got you. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts about the public initiative at all? Public safety. It's pretty good. I'm glad they're trying to make this good safe. Yeah. Um, what is it? Just to jump in. Um, what is your name? Hayden. Hayden, what do you do? I go to high school. Awesome. Hayden, what are your thoughts about Ithaca, Ithaca and the public safety initiative that's been going I think on? It's pretty safe, but like, I don't know. Like, what are they? What is like, what's the initiative? Like, are they putting yeah, in more like. Safe, right? Oh, like more police and stuff. Because I'm not yeah. for more police. Yeah. You're. Uh, what is it? What is your name? Navia. Navia. What? So you're a high school student as well. I'm in middle school. You're in middle school. Yeah. So for you personally, like with the public safety initiative, you know, and being in middle school and everything, what have you seen um, potentially with Ithaca and everything that's been going on? I agree with Isaiah that like overall, it's a pretty safe city and like people. People just need to take care of each other and stop calling the cops so much. You don't need to get the cops involved. And I don't think the cops actually do anything to protect the people. They just want to protect private property and protect the rich people here. You you just you just think that. Have you seen have you seen that happen firsthand? Yeah. I mean, it's not just a problem with Ithaca, it's a problem with the whole nation, you know. You go on TV, you see black people getting killed all the time on the streets. And what are they doing about women getting raped? 1% of all sexual crimes against women, like the rapists are actually imprisoned for. Yeah, totally understandable. Um, do you have any other thoughts about the public safety initiative or anything that's been going on or, you know, any thoughts about, you know, the rapes and, you know, the killings that you have seen personally, nationally or um, locally as well? Um I'm not like I don't have anything against it being safer, but as long as that doesn't mean cops, more cops, I'm not for that. I got you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to this installment of Clayton on the Street. We'll be back next week with another installment. Clayton Davis, WICB News. That's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Also subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director Hamadri Saith with assistance from News Managing Director Jordan Broking, News Production Director Beck Legato, and Social Media and Web Coordinators Emma Kirsting and Inbayini Unbarasan. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.